again. Amen. Um, I'm just going to take a couple minutes to share about the ministry I'm a part of called Great Commission Media Ministries. We're based in Finland. Um, and I'm the U.S. representative for the, for, for the ministry. Um, I'm going to talk about two areas of our ministry. The first thing is out of our studios in Finland, we do satellite broadcasting. So every day, five days a week, we're doing programming. But they're not, it's not in Finnish and it's not in English. It's in Arabic and Farsi, which are, are primarily the languages of the Middle East. And so every day we bring people, we bring people actually who come into our studios from all over Europe. Many of them come, they stay a week, and they do programming for a whole week. Um, and, and we bring people who are from those cultures, not people who simply speak Arabic or Farsi, but are actually from the Middle East. And they come in and they do programming, teach, preach, do music, do all kinds of stuff. Um, and all of these programs are uplinked to 16 satellite networks. And um, the amazing thing is, is the response from, from the Middle East is beyond anything that we ever anticipated. Uh, we have documented now that, that we are averaging 200,000 responses a month from the Middle East. That's how much response we're, we're getting from that part of the world. And so it's, it's, it's just beyond anything that we ever anticipated would be possible. So now we've established a full-time office in Egypt. And we have 16 people that work for us full-time in Egypt. And uh, the U.S. side of the ministry, my, my responsibility, we're actually, um, we're actually covering the cost of that office in Egypt as well as the 16 people who work there. And, and, and their full responsibility is, is, to, is to manage the response of all these people that are responding to our ministry every month from the Middle East. And so please be praying for them and for what they're doing. Um, we're still doing media evangelism campaigns all over the world. We've done 105 cities all over the world. And I'm going I'm to talk about the one that we were, we're, we're just finishing now. Um, over a year ago, we had a, um, a man from South Sudan in the middle of, of Africa fly on his own expense to Finland to meet with Hanu Hauka, the founder of our ministry. And he basically um, came and said, come over and help us. We're, they were totally off of our radar. We weren't looking to do anything in South Sudan at all. But because of his coming, uh, we decided, all right, we're going to respond to this. And we began to do research on South Sudan. Uh, there's Sudan and South Sudan. So it's a little bit confusing there. Sudan is 97% uh, Muslim. South Sudan is like 60% Christian and about 32% uh, tribal religion. Um, and, and so they broke off of Sudan in 2011. 2013, unfortunately, they entered into a tribal civil war in South Sudan. And so for the last five years, they've been in tri tribal civil war in South Sudan. Very, very desperate situation. Over 380,000 people have been killed in, in South Sudan. Many pastors have been killed uh, over the last five years. 
So when we went into South Sudan, which is still true to this very day, there, there, there still is from 8 o'clock at night to 8 o'clock in the morning, you can't be on the streets. Um, you can be shot if you're found on the streets uh, during, during those nighttime hours. So it's a very, very dangerous place. Um, uh, but, but our ministry went in and began to develop life stories as we normally do, work with local churches. We discovered 20 of the best testimonies, life stories from the capital city of Juba, South Sudan. We did documentaries, 25-minute documentaries on each one of those people's lives. Um, we, we developed billboards and, and newspaper ads and, and, and advertising. Uh, we, we purchased time on, on, on state television uh, for a whole month at 9 o'clock at night, primetime television. Um, uh, interestingly enough, the uh, state television liked our programming so much they actually showed it four times a day that we didn't have to pay for. Um, and and we, we developed a book. This is the book that we printed in, in South Sudan. If you know anything about Eric, Arabic, it goes from, from back to front. And so this is, this is the book that we printed in, um, in South Sudan in the Arabic language. Um, it's got life stories in it, plus very simple evangelism, discipleship materials. We had a couple problems in South Sudan. Normally, when people call into the call center, what we do is we uh, take down their name and their, their address. We have someone from a local church actually take the book, hand deliver it to their home, and develop a relationship with them, and uh, begin the process of leading them to Christ. We couldn't do that in South Sudan because nobody has addresses. So there's no address. So we had to set up distribution points at marketplaces. And uh, we have video of hundreds of people lined up to receive their book. The only way that we could document that they'd actually called the call center is that if they would show us on their cell phone <laughs> that they'd actually called the call center. So, so that was our documentation process. We had another problem, though, however, is that in South Sudan, it's 70% illiteracy. So 70% so of the people do not read. So the book isn't touching everyone. And so we realized we needed to do something else besides the book. Um, plus, many people live in villages, 3,000 villages across South Sudan. And, and, and most of those villages don't have television. They don't have radio. So our television and radio programming is not reaching them either. So we... Uh, purchased uh, what's called digital audio players, okay? They, they are solar-powered. Um, they, they have a plug-in for, for either megaphone or, or ear, ear, earbuds, either one. Um, and um, I'll give you a little simple demonstration here. Okay, so what, what this has on it says all the life stories that we put on television is, is on, this, on this little unit. The Gospel of John is on this unit. Christian music from South Sudan is on this unit. And children's programming. And they've literally told us that, um, that if we put one of these per village, the whole village will listen to it. 
Well, some of these villages are large. They're up to 1,000 people, 1,500 people. And so we're putting more than one per village. And, and, and uh, uh, we're so very grateful. We had a, we had a man in, in, in Canada actually donated uh, all of these units. Cost us $400,000 for 20,000 units. And, 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 and he paid for all of them. <laughs> Praise be unto God. And so we're, we're very grateful for that. Now, my responsibility is to pay for the distribution <laughs> of these units to 3,000 villages all over South Sudan. We're, 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 we're using a, um, a Christian humanitarian organization in South Sudan called Across, and it's going to cost us about $25 per village to distribute uh, these units throughout South Sudan. So it's going to cost us about $75,000 to actually do the, do the distribution. And that, we, we did the, the television radio programming November, and then they said, please do it again. So we did December. The president and the vice president of the country actually went on television, encouraged their people to watch it. We called it Power to Forgive because it's such great need uh, for forgiveness within that country. And all basically very simple gospel programming. And, and now uh, through this unit, we're actually reaching un unreached people groups, people who have never heard the gospel in these villages all over South Sudan. So I'd like us just to take a moment and pray as this process is beginning that God will use this little unit uh, all over South Sudan to bring people to Christ. Father, right now, we're thankful for technology that enables us to bring the gospel to places like we would never be able to do just a couple years ago. We pray that God is these digital audio players go all over the country, that God, you will use them powerfully in the name of Jesus. And we pray that thousands and thousands of people will come to Christ through this process. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Um, the response on, uh, from our television broadcasting was far beyond anything we expected. We had over 500,000 people call into the call center. So, so tremendous response. We've got a new newsletter in the back. Feel free to take one. If you receive it, uh, you'll be receiving it in the mail this week or so. Uh, but if you, if you don't receive our newsletter, feel free to sign up and, and, and uh, we'd, we'd love to send it to you. Um, our next campaign is in October in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And then we'll be doing um, in um, the capital city of Mongolia is our next one. And following that is Ukraine, is, is, is the border uh, where uh, between Russia and Ukraine, where all, all the fighting is still happening on a daily basis. Uh, we'll be going into that area as well uh, with our media campaign. So just appreciate your, your prayers uh, for our ministry and, and thank you as well for your gracious support. Praise God. All right, take your Bibles, turn to uh, uh, John chapter 12, and uh, we'll start there this morning. John chapter 12, starting in verse 9. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he'd raised from the dead. 
So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. I wonder how many times they tried to do that. Because on account of him, because of Lazarus, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming and sitting on a, on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who is with us this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that you said it, that it was good that you would go away because you would send the Holy Spirit who would abide with us forever. And we invite the Holy Spirit to minister to all of us this morning, to me and to each one of us today. I pray that we would have an ear to hear the voice of the Spirit into our own hearts and our own lives today. And I pray as, as we walk through this story that, that, God, you will just touch our lives in a new and a fresh way. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now here, we already experienced Easter a few weeks ago, but I'm going back before that. Here in John chapter 12, we see that the earthly ministry of Jesus was, was fast coming to a conclusion. And all of history had pointed uh, to this event of the coming of Christ. Hebrews 9 says, Now once at the end of the ages he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So all of eternity past was looking towards this time of the coming of Christ. And here he was. First century Israel was chafing under, under Roman occupation. There was a strong resistance movement called the Zealots, uh, organized by, by one guy by the name of Judas. Not the Judas we know, but another guy whose, whose father had been killed by Herod. And they refused to pay taxes. They considered a religious duty to kill a Roman. Uh, in fact, one of the 12 disciples was a zealot. Uh, called Simon, Simon the Zealot. Uh, Barabbas, the reason Barabbas was so popular is because he, he was a zealot. And, 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 and so that was why he was popular. But alongside of this confusion that was happening in Israel, there was also this sovereign outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was happening. A young man by the name of John the Baptist was, was being greatly used in Israel at this time. Uh, he, come out of, he comes out of the Essene movement and and he looks a little weird, you know, has unusual clothing, has an unusual diet. He comes out and begins to preach uh, a message of repentance. And thousands of people come to the Jordan River to be baptized. And it's an Old Testament baptism of preparation to prepare them for the coming of the Messiah. So there's this wonderful outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's happening 
in Israel at this time. And, and it was at this time, of course, that Jesus is baptized by John at the Jordan. And uh, um, he's revealed at that, at that moment, begins to preach with unprecedented authority. The scripture says he was given the Holy Spirit without measure. You can imagine what it was like to sit under the preaching and teaching of Jesus. We've, we've probably heard some great preaching through the years, but never like, like the ministry of Jesus. And, and we know about all of the ministry of Jesus, the demons that were cast out, the, the sicknesses that were healed, the, even the weather that was changed, the, the 5,000 men plus women and children who, who were fed by Jesus and people tried to make him king and then he goes to his hometown and people try to kill him and, 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 and there's all these different things that are happening during the ministry of Jesus. Now, it's at the end of his ministry and it's, it's the time of Passover and Jerus- Jerusalem is jammed with people. A, a city of five to 600,000 is now two to three million people because people from all over the world came there. But Jesus was not in Jerusalem. Jesus was like 21 miles east of the Jordan preaching and ministering. And while he's there, word comes to him that his dear friend from Bethany, his friend Lazarus, is very, very sick. And we see that story in, in the first part of, of, of John chapter 11. A certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who had anointed the Lord with ointment with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was ill so the sisters sent to him saying Lord he whom you love is ill but when Jesus heard it he said this illness does not lead to death it is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus so when he heard that Lazarus was ill he came running is that what it says No, it says he stayed two days longer, which doesn't make any sense to us, does it? I mean, here, a good friend of his, Lazarus is sick, and and it would be natural for us to think, okay, Jesus, you're going to drop everything you're doing here. You're going to run, and you're going to heal Lazarus, and and all is going to be good. But that did not happen. And uh, silence is confusing. (laughs) When God is silent... We get confused, and uh, probably all of us, at one point or another, have experienced the silence of God. And it's very common, even though it's very confusing, all through the Scripture. We see it, Noah, seasons of silence. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, you, <laughs> me. Uh, how many can say, I've, I'm, I'm acquainted with the silence of God in my life, where we've been praying for things, looking for things, and it seems like nothing is happening. Well, that, that was true here. Elizabeth Elliot, uh, when, when her young husband at the age of 29 dies uh, trying to reach out to the Aka Indians along with, with four other missionaries, um, and, and, and at that tragic moment she wrote, I had to face up to the fact in those stunning losses that God was indeed sovereign. True faith is operative in the dark. If we have explanations, if things are simple and clear, there is not much need for faith. Faith is operative in the dark. So I want you to think about that for a minute. And I want you to 
tell the Lord, God, I will trust you even in the dark. I will trust you even when I don't have answers. I will trust you even when life does not make sense. That's an important part of our Christian walk because God does not always answer us. You know, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to God. But that which he has chosen, he reveals. He does not reveal everything. I've got questions in my mind. My, my, my dad, who was an Assembly of God pastor, died when I was four years of age at the age of 33 years of age. I still don't understand that to this day. I still don't have answers on that to this very day. But you know what? I have chosen to trust him in the dark. I have chosen to trust him even when I don't understand. And I am so grateful for scriptures like Romans chapter 8 that says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Now listen. He talks about the love of Christ in the context of life that doesn't make sense. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. In all these things, he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, nothing in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God. Why does Paul say that? Paul says that because when God is silent or seems to be silent, when life does not seem to make sense for you, and life does not seem to make sense for me, Satan roars in your ear and says, Where is your God now? Where is your God now? And some of you have been there. I know. I know some of your stories. You've been there. You've heard the roar of Satan in your ear. And some of you I know have roared right back and said, nothing still separates me from the love of God. Even though life has not made a whole lot of sense, even though I've got lots of questions, I know that God still loves me. I know that God is still with me. And we'll see that at the end of this story with, uh, with especially Martha. Well, finally, Jesus does leave and heads towards Bethany. And it's, it's a wonderful thing that he's going. But unfortunately, for Lazarus, <laughs> it's too late. By the time Jesus gets there, Lazarus has been dead four days. All right? And you can imagine Mary and Martha. They keep sending people out to look for Jesus. Jesus doesn't show. Jesus doesn't show. I'm sure he's coming. We've sent messengers to bring him here. He is not here yet. Lazarus' condition is getting worse. And all of a sudden, Lazarus stops breathing. And he dies. And in the Middle East culture, there's an immediate funeral that happens within 24 hours. 
And Lazarus is put into a tomb. And the family grieves. And there's loss. And there's death. And there's confusion. And there's confusion. And there's silence. And Jesus comes. But before he comes, he passes through the city of Jericho on his way. And Mark chapter 10 tells us that story. And as he's coming into the city of Jericho, there's a man standing, sitting alongside the road. His name is Blind Bartimaeus. It's just another day of begging for him. And he's sitting alongside the road. And as far as he is concerned, it's just another day. Another day for a blind man sitting alongside the road. But he hears all this commotion. And he begins to realize that something is happening. And Jesus, this man who has opened the eyes of the blind, who's healed people from leprosy and, 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 and all kinds of disease, is coming down the road. And you know the story. And as Jesus begins to come down, blind Bartimaeus gets excited and he begins to yell. He's not saying this under his breath. He's yelling out. And he begins to say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Now that's a very important word. The word mercy means compassion that has power. Compassion that can make a difference. Compassion that can change the situation. Now, now if pastor this morning, this didn't happen, but let's just say this morning when I came in, he would have said, Dave, I need to talk to you for a minute. And we, we'd go off to the side and he says, Dave, I'm, boy, you just need to really pray for me because I'm a million dollars in debt. That's not true, is it? No, no, okay, okay. <laughs> not, not yet, <laughs> right, okay, all right. So, so, now, I would feel sorry for pastor. <laughs> but I would not have mercy. Because <laughs> I don't have ability to change the situation. I would feel very sorry for you. But I couldn't do anything about it. But Jesus has compassion. He has not only a feeling where he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but he's able to change it. And that's the word that blind Bartimaeus uses. And people around him are saying, would you please shut up? That's exactly what it means. Would you please shut up? And, 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 and he, doesn't, he doesn't shut up. He's not quiet. He keeps yelling it out. And, 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 and finally, Jesus says, bring him to me. Bring him to me. Let me just read a couple verses from Mark chapter 10. And they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So a, a change of attitude with the people. One minute they're telling him to shut up, and the next minute they're saying, well, come on, he wants you to come. And so he's coming. 
And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Now that's, that's an unusual statement, throwing off his cloak. See, to be a beggar, you had to wear a, per, a particular coat that identified you as a genuine beggar. Why? Because, I mean, I, I, some of you have, you know, taken, taken an off-ramp off the freeway. And you see some guy standing there. It looks, looks absolutely healthy, you know, and, 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 he's, and he's asking for money. And if you're like me, many times I look at him and say, why don't you get a job? <laughs> you, you look healthy and strong. Like, you know, and, and so back then, uh, they had the same problem. So, so, so because of that, you, not, not anybody could beg. You could only be a beggar on the side of the road if you wore a particular cloak that identified you as a genuine blind person. And so what did he do? When Jesus called him, he threw off his identity as a blind person. Isn't that wonderful? And some of you have experienced the forgiveness of God, but you have never thrown off the shame, as Pastor was talking about earlier. You've never thrown off the shame of that past sin. That is not who you are anymore. You are free from that. The Lord has set you free. He throws off his cloak. And he comes to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Funny. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. You see, the scripture tells us, Ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find, knock and you shall, and the door will be open to you. I just want to encourage you. Don't, don't quit. Don't quit. <coughs> Keep praying. Keep believing God. Keep knocking. How many are knocking over something right now? You're praying about something. All right, me too. Me too. Every day, every day. I've got four young guys that are agnostic atheists that come from pastoral homes that I'm praying for every day. Matt, Connor, Levi, and Zach. And there's, and there's a, not, 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 not your Zach. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> In Iowa, <laughs> by the way. You know. so, so we all have something we're praying for. In the Keep it up. Keep it up. And, 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 and so Jesus says, what do you want me to do? He says, I want to receive my sight. You have not because why? You ask not. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Now, see, we live in that tension where sometimes we're experiencing the silence of God. But the scripture continues to say, keep opening the door. Keep opening the door. Just like that door right there. Just keep opening the door. Don't close the door. Keep the door of faith open. And so he says that I might receive my sight. And immediately he recovered his sight. Immediately he recovered his sight. How many love immediately? <laughs> we love immediately, don't we? I want you to understand, however, that all through the book of Mark, there's a very favorite word for Mark in talking about the ministry of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus. Immediately. Four times. Mark 1, 42, immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Mark chapter 2, verse 12, immediately he picked up his bed. 
Mark chapter 5, immediately her issue of blood was healed. Mark chapter 5 again, immediately the girl that was dead sat up. Now I want you to understand that every one of those immediately was followed, was, was preceded by a season of silence. Silence preceded the immediately. And so how we handle our silence positions us for an immediately. <laughs> if you complain and says, God is not on my side, I don't know why God's not listening to me. I don't, why, I don't know why all this is happening to me. Guess what? You are not positioning yourself in a position for immediately. <laughs> How many want to be in a position to receive immediately? I do. And I know you do as well. May it be so. And so we need to be in a position where we continue to cry unto the Lord and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. Have mercy. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. I'm not done yet, by the way. <laughs> so hang in there. All right. All right. But I want you to bow your heads with me. If you're here and you need the mercy of God in your life right now, or you would like to stand in the place of someone that needs the mercy of God in their life right now, I just want you to stand. Just stand right where you're at. I'm standing with you because I've got, I've, I've got people that I'm praying for that the mercy of God would be poured out in their life. Would you just say with me, Jesus, have mercy. Lord, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that the mercy of God would be poured out in the lives of people right here in this room <laughs> and for People that may even live thousands of miles from us right now. But we say, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. In the name of Jesus, have mercy. We ask you for that. And we pray there would be an immediately. <laughs> and immediately, Lord, may healing come. May deliverance come. May freedom come. We ask you for it. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Would you just begin to praise the Lord? Just begin to praise the Lord. Lift your voice to the Lord right now. Come on. Lift your voice. Praise God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We may not see anything right now, but we're going to thank you that you are a God who died immediately, and we're going to believe you for that in the name of Jesus. We thank you for that today. We thank you that we can trust you. We thank you that we can lay hold of your promises, Lord. And we do that this morning in the name of Jesus. Praise be unto God. Amen. You may be seated. So Jesus is almost through Jericho now. He's not to Bethany yet. He's not quite out of the city of Jericho. And there's a guy in town. He's the chief tax collector. His name is Zacchaeus. And he's... He's hearing all the noise, and now the crowd is huge, of course, because Bartimaeus just received a sight. You could imagine people just are throwing from all over. And Zacchaeus hears this. He's a little guy. He's the most evil man in town. He's the chief tax collector. In fact, he's so evil that he's not even allowed to enter the synagogue. It's interesting 
what his name meant. Mom and dad saw this precious little baby. They called him Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus meant pure and righteous one. And he was just the opposite of his namesake. I'm sure his parents were very disappointed. He, came, he became this rich tax collector that was working for the Roman government. Probably, more than likely, Zacchaeus had a common Roman saying on his wall. This is literally a Roman saying. Money has no smell no matter what cesspool it's fished out of. That's a Roman saying. And more than likely, Zacchaeus had that on his wall because he believed in the preeminence of money over everything else. But he has raw curiosity. He climbs a sycamore tree, which was a big tree. It was a tree that was used and is still used today in that part of the world for timber. He climbs this tall tree, and he's sitting up in the tree. He thinks, you know, I've got the $50 seats. We're all set here. I'm going to be able to see this guy by the name of Jesus very clearly. Jesus begins to walk, walk right underneath the tree, and he stops and looks up at him. And I'm sure Zacchaeus about fell out of the tree at that moment. And, and, and Jesus looks up to him. And I'm sure as he looks at him, he's not frowning. He's not scowling at him. smiling at him. And he says, come on down, buddy. I want to come to your house. And everybody goes, oh, you're kidding. Don't, doesn't he know who this is? This is the most evil man in town. And he's going to go to his house. So Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. And something happens. Something happens. All of a sudden, Zacchaeus makes a proclamation. Half my goods, Jesus, I'm going to give to the poor. <laughs> and anybody that I've defrauded, I'm going to pay him back four times. What was that? What happened to him? You know what happened to him? the spirit of repentance whoosh that washed into that house and as the spirit of repentance and the presence of Jesus came he saw himself as he was he saw his sin as it was and he repented and I hear Jesus with a big grin on his face saying salvation has come to this house today isn't that beautiful bow your head again we're almost done all right. Lord, I pray right now for a spirit of repentance. In my heart, in all of our hearts today. And I pray that, Lord, all over this room right now, there would be a spirit of repentance that would come. Lord, you know every heart and every life I pray you will touch every person who needs to repent this morning. In Jesus' name. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to do anything. Like, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Nothing. Nothing at all. But if you're here today and you would say to the Lord, Lord, you know me and you know that I need to repent this morning, would you just raise your hand to the Lord? Yes, 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 yes. Hands all over. You know what? <laughs> and I've raised my hand many times <laughs> because I'm right with you, folks. <laughs>
where none of us are any different. Lord, forgive us. Thank you for the spirit of repentance that comes. Thank you for the gift of repentance that comes, that shows us our need, that shows us, Lord, our need to surrender to you, to yield to you, to humble ourselves. And so many people in this room, Lord, you're so proud of them this morning because they've repented They've humbled themselves before you. They've said, Lord, you know I need to repent. And so today we say, Lord, right now, forgive us. Cleanse us. Purify us. By your precious blood, wash us clean this morning. And we thank you, Lord, that we can walk out of here with our heads held high. Hallelujah. Forgiven and cleansed, even as Pastor was saying earlier. Our sin, as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against us anymore. Can you say the word never? Never. Never. Thank you, Lord. Would you just give the Lord a clap offering this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Never. Never to be remembered. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cleansing of your blood. Thank you, Lord. Let me wrap this up. So, Jesus enters Bethany, and it's dark. It's thick with grief and loss and confusion. It's been four days. Lazarus' face is no longer recognizable, and according to Jewish custom, it meant the soul and the spirit were now gone totally. Um, but I want you to see something as, as, I, as I close this this morning. I want you to see Martha. Now, it's interesting. Most of you only remember Martha from Luke chapter 10. Martha's in the kitchen. Huh? How many remember that story? Martha's in the kitchen. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And, and, and Martha yells out from the kitchen, Jesus, would you tell my sister to get in here and help me? And, 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 and Jesus said, no, he, she's chosen the better part. And we all feel sorry for this, for this unspiritual Martha who's in the kitchen. Right? Okay. But in this account, Martha is the one who shines. Mary, knowing that Jesus has come, can't even come out to meet him. It's only after, it's only after Martha confronts her and says, Jesus is here. Come on. Finally, Mary comes. But Martha comes directly to meet Jesus. And this is what, what happens in verse 20 of, of, of John chapter 11. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. She was honest. Don't pray what you think God wants you to pray. Be honest. Be honest. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So she had good theology. She knew her Bible. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. 
Do you believe this, Martha? And Martha said, well, I'm not sure anymore. Because you didn't come. We needed you. And you weren't here when I needed you. You didn't show up. Is that what she said? No. Ha. Man, I am so proud of Martha. In the midst, in her darkest hour, no guarantee, no guarantee of, of resurrection at this point. She didn't know Jesus was going to raise him from the dead. She didn't know that. At her darkest moment, moment in her life where it seems that God was doing nothing and it was all over and Lazarus was dead and gone forever. What does Martha say? Martha says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Hooray for Martha. <laughs> Hooray for Martha. In her darkest hour, she responds to Jesus in such a beautiful and a wonderful way. Praise be unto God. I'm so grateful for that. And so, you know the rest of the story. Jesus is wherever you laid him. Jesus is deeply moved. They take away the stone. Martha says, don't you know he's been dead four days? Jesus says, didn't I say to you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? He cries out with a loud voice. And all of a sudden, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And as he says that, old Lazarus is wrapped up in his grave clothes and he comes bouncing out. Huh? <laughs> That's right. And people's knees are knocking and their mouths are gaping. And some people are on their hands and knees. They can't believe it. Here's this guy. And Jesus says to some guys that are standing around, come on, unwrap the guy. You know, and, and, and some of them were probably concerned about what they might find if they unwrapped him. If they did, of course, you know the end of the story. Because Palm Sunday is the result of this event happening. This is the result of someone who went through a horrible season experiencing the silence of God, but handled it right. And in the end, God did the impossible. Now, I don't know what you, you face, but keep trusting God. Keep your attitude right. Keep doing what God has called you to do. Make Jesus proud by how you respond in the dark. So, as I close this, I will trust you in the dark. Jesus, have mercy. May a spirit of repentance continue to rest upon your life. And may your Lazarus come forth. Lord, this morning, we thank you for the presence of God here today. We thank you for meeting with us today. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us today. And I thank you, Lord, that we belong to you. And we're reminded of Peter who said, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We trust you and we rest in you and we rely upon you today. And we thank you that you belong to us and we belong to you. In Jesus' name.
Amen.